I, th- I thought of maybe begin for a moment, kind of t- talking about sort of why we're doing something a little bit different with these afternoon sessions. Uh, a lot of you, I know a, a lot of us are um, from around here and are at our conferences, and a lot of even our out-of-towners have been to uh, maybe many or a handful of our conferences. And um, I think to, to speak real plainly, like we never really know exactly um, what we should do when we're together, like what the best way to organize like a gathering or a conference. And we're often kind of <clears throat> feeling like a little bit like we're trying to discern what the, the best way uh, to do things is. And um, we've, uh, for a number of years, the most recent four or five years, we've kind of been taking these afternoon sessions for just kind of open-ended discussion and um, sharing and question and answers. And um, we we're, we're still want to do that as like a, a, a big chunk of kind of what we're doing today. But um, we were we were reflecting a little bit like after our most recent conference and just kind of the last couple that um, we <clears throat> we were sort of uh, feeling a little bit like because we uh, we spend a lot of time waiting on the Lord in silence and I, and we we've, we talked some this morning about kind of why we do that and why we think that's um, uh, a really important way to begin, not not of course for the sake of silence. We don't believe there's anything magical about silence itself, but to to um, to really feel like the the flesh silenced and every heart turned to the measure of grace working in their uh, their their own heart, and then to hopefully speak and minister out of that. Um, but um, as we've spent a lot of meetings, uh, frequently much much of it in silence and. Um, and then had some kind of real open-ended uh, discussion times. We've we've wondered a little bit, or had a little bit of a feeling um, like it was possible for those that were new, or those that were visiting, maybe those that were joining online for the very first time. We kind of always have, usually, I mean, not massive numbers, but we have a few a few folks kind of uh, visiting us for the new t- the first time, or um, <clears throat> and we sort of wondered aloud whether. Um, whether we could do a better job, maybe kind of, uh, I don't know, we're, we're hesitant to ever sort of talk about our own experiences or even to sort of assert that we kind of know anything plainly. But to, we, we do believe there's some valuable things the Lord has kind of uh, done in our hearts and taught us. And some um, there's some things that are a little bit like distinct about uh, the way the Lord has dealt with us and that we feel like are, are good and valuable and helpful. And um, sometimes we've kind of wondered if we, we get through the conference and maybe folks who are um, new or kind of <clears throat> looking or hungry or seeking uh, might not have, um, may not have heard distinctly or kind of heard clearly uh, what it is that um, maybe makes us a little bit different or, or why we do some of the strange things we do, you know, even just the format of our conference kind of being together and waiting on the Lord is like pretty, pretty unusual nowadays. And, um, so we had it in our hearts a little bit, not to, to, to just maybe see if we would feel a little bit of openness to, um, to speak a little bit about, um, kind of where we are in our journey with the Lord and how we've gotten here and what things we we feel some degree of clarity about. Um, there's a lot of things we don't feel clarity about for sure. And, and 
um, we really have a, a real desire to be led further on and to be corrected um, by the Lord, by uh, by Him directly or by anybody. So there's no there's no sense at all that we kind of feel like, oh man, we've we've got a lot of things together, we've got it straight, and we're ready to you know teach the world how to do things. Uh, quite the opposite. We feel um, kind of weaker and smaller and more humble and more in need of guidance and correction maybe than we ever have before. Um, but that doesn't, uh, that doesn't take away the fact that we do feel like there's some real, real clear dealings of the Lord with us that, um, that we feel, we don't always feel clear about where those are going to lead exactly or how they're supposed to manifest, but we, but the kind of the inward realities feel, um, feel clear and important and, um, we've had a little bit of a desire to, um, see if we could speak those things a little bit more clearly. And, and so with these two afternoon sessions, uh, this weekend, um, hey, welcome, come on in, go to see you anywhere. Um, so we thought with these two afternoon sessions, we would just kind of do a little bit of a, I guess, sort of an experiment with, uh, uh, a, a couple of us, um, uh, kind of proactively sharing um, some of what the Lord has put on our hearts. And not that the intention isn't that we're going to take this uh, three, you know, 3.30 to 5 session and it's going to be 100% me or 100% Jason tomorrow, but to, um, but hopefully like speak speak out from some of those things or what the Lord puts on our heart. And then also to kind of like have that lead into a time of like discussion and sharing and questions and answers and kind of have it um, maybe have have what is shared become sort of the um, the the thing that sort of gets us going into sharing our experiences and talking and maybe a little bit a way that's maybe a little bit more focused or a little bit more edifying. Um, we've you've those of you who've been around the last few years know that sometimes at these Q and A's we start by all kind of like looking at our feet for the first six or seven minutes and aren't even always sure how to get going. So maybe um, maybe just to kind of share some of these things would kind of have this dual purpose of um, being helpful and clarifying for visitors and maybe being affirming and kind of stir up all of us who are here all the time and then also kind of like lead into a, like a fruitful and edifying discussion. So um, that's that's just a little bit of kind of like our thought process and um, we'll, I guess we'll see after it's over if we <laughs> feel like it, it was useful to the Lord. Um, so um, yeah, so with that as an introduction, I guess the last couple of days as I've been kind of praying about the fact that I was, you know, supposed to share one of these days and um, thinking about some of those things it. um it seemed it seemed good to me to maybe uh give a real brief kind of overview of like our journey as a body in the last fifteen or twenty years and i and I, I do mean brief but just to um it's not something we we talk about all the time we do talk about it sometimes and for, like I said for those who are visiting it might be useful to hear a little bit of kind of um how we how we got to where we are right now um and how the Lord dealt with us and corrected us uh, along the way. Um, I think it would give a little bit of maybe context and be a little bit clarifying. Um, and then also to, to to not just describe the journey, but I, it's on my heart a little bit to um, to try to say a few things about um, 
some of the things that I feel like are are clear enough and helpful enough about what we do kind of know and what we do feel um, to kind of state some of those as like clearly as possible. And so I'm going to try to try to do, I guess, both of those. And um, I don't I don't know if I'm going to struggle being super long or super short, but we'll I'll, I'll kind of keep an eye on the time here. Um, but yeah, so to, to begin with a little description kind of our, of our journey, obviously like we can't, um, we can only, I can only sort of describe, um, our journey together as a body. We all have different, um, paths into it and different experiences and different, um, different things that have kind of shaped us and formed us. And we've come not all from the same place by any means, but, um, I can say that, um, many of us at least have, have come from somewhat of like a Christian background. I mean, there's a few of us who, you know, Adrian didn't come from a Christian believing background at all, but, uh, many of us kind of were, um, have pretty similar stories and that were kind of born into the church or born into some, some, some brand or some uh, flavor of Christianity. Some of, some of them pretty zealous, maybe insincere in their own ways, and some of them maybe a little bit more nominal or cold or indifferent, and all kinds of different places on the on the spectrum. Um, but I think I think it's true for for many of us that um, those of us who kind of came from came out of the church or came. Um, from something that looks more like a normal church or a more normal denomination or something that's more standard. Um, I think, I think we could all say, and I think almost anybody who would call themselves like a Christian in, in, uh, and not just like as a, I'm a Christian because uh, that's, you know, what I put on the census, you know, anyone who claims Christianity with any kind of, um, sincerity, I think, can say that there's at least some point there was at least some point in their life and their 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 life and there was I think for many or all of us where we felt some kind of like touch from the Lord some sort of maybe an experience maybe we called it being born again maybe we maybe it happened when we were young maybe it happened when we were old but we you know we we had some sort of um some touch of faith some some sense of the reality of God, some some feeling of desire for for the Lord, or some sense of conviction for sin, some uh, touch of His love, something like that. I think almost almost everybody um, can can kind of point back to that, and I think that's because of the just the the incredible like loving kindness of the Lord constantly to all the children of men um, reaching and desiring to draw everyone to himself. And whether that's by awakening a desire, whether that's by troubling us in our, uh, in our worldliness, whether it's by a, uh, you know, a, a relationship that any number of things, um, the Lord's always, I, f- I feel like the Lord's just always, um, in his love and in his kindness, seeking to gather, seeking to visit every single heart of every human he's ever made, trying to gather them back. Um, and almost every Christian I ever kind of knew back in my, my church days kind of like had, had something, something they could kind of point to and say like, oh, I believed or I was born, I was saved or I, 
felt a touch from the Lord and maybe it was in 1992 or 1974, I, I felt this or I went to that meeting and I, I prayed this or uh, something like that. But um, I think the interesting quest- question to sort of like ask is like, what, what then, you know, what, um, what, what happened as like, that turned into a memory? What happened as the, the feeling and the freshness of that kind of receded and the days and the weeks and the months and the years and the decades begin to kind of slowly pass over us and, and we have jobs and families and marriages and mortgages and um, happy things and sad things happen? Like what 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 happens to like most Christians, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a thing I've pondered a lot over the years as I've kind of watched my own heart uh, move and sometimes drift and sometimes come back. And while, while I've watched uh, friends and family and loved ones, um, there's something about just kind of like, I'm not, I know I'm not crazy old yet, but I'm old enough to have 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 watched you know I, I had a group of uh incredibly we thought we were like incredibly zealous and hardcore christians when i was you know 19 and 20 and going through college and we had this kind of tight pack of uh very sincere and earnest um uh, young people and now uh, you know 25 years have passed and i've been able to kind of watch what happened to us you know and what um what sort of Christianity remains, if any. And, and I think we've all, we've shared a lot about this in our groups over, over the years. We've, um, those of us who've has, have that, you know, some of us have longer, have more decades than that, but, um, it seems like a almost universal experience that, um, the vast majority of those who call themselves Christian Christians and name the name of Christ, um, drift in different directions from that first sense of faith and desire and hope and longing for the Lord, you know, that there's, there's all kinds of ways they drift um, and all kinds of places they end up, you know, and, but it seems like, it seems to be like incredibly rare to find people um growing in a real uh a real tenderness of heart towards the lord a real um faithful uh growing in 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 love and purity and instead what seems to be at least sadly kind of in my experience and, I, and this is kind of sad to talk about and i won't spend too much time on it but in my experience it seems like i've just watched so many people kind of return to the world, you know, I've saw, seen a lot of people return to the world openly, like literally like people who were as zealous a Christians as you could hardly find, who have, have entirely renounced their faith. And, and um, I've seen that, but I've seen probably even more than that, just completely like um, return to the world with their heart and their mind while only like their bodies and their words are involved in Christianity anymore, you know? And I think that's a, I think that's a common experience we've seen. And so 
So kind of drift into the world, whether it's openly or hypocritically, some of us, you know, denying our faith, some of us just sort of deadening into these words, some of us hardening into formalities, some of us, you know, bouncing from idea to idea or dream to dream. And um, that's just been, I, I think that's kind of, that's the sort of like swirling mass that like in some ways like we have all sort of like come out of, you know, and um, there's there's something I think of the Lord that like reaches our heart when we see that beginning to happen, you know, it's, um, um, I, you know, you know, there's, I think some people, some people allow themselves just to kind of like drift into that, um, that deadness, that coldness, that just having a memory of Christianity. Um, it's very easy to do that. You see everybody around you doing it. You see the like churches you go to. It's just super normal. The pastors, the leaders, everybody's doing it. Everybody's like, and you start to feel like, okay, this is maybe, maybe this is all there is to Christianity is kind of this idea, this name, this like experience we had together and these songs we sing about things on weekends and these, maybe these shared values, or maybe we have like some certain beliefs that we gather around and, and, um, but I think that, I think that if we're really honest with ourselves, we realize that like not, it's, it's not, not everything's right. Not everything's as like the Lord desires it to be and we can feel kind of like an ache or a longing in our heart for something else and um i I know i i felt that a lot and um and and sometimes there's this uh, kind of leading into i think where where this sort of church formed and where where the lord took us is one of the things i think we sometimes do with that is we um if if we're determined to sort of like stay in within Christianity, um, then I think like I don't know how to describe this exactly, but it's, it reminds me of that that scripture where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, and he says like um, that the kingdom of God doesn't come with like outward observation. It's not look here, look there. If somebody says to you, it's over here in this room or it's over there, don't believe them for the kingdom of God is within you. And at least how I kind of saw that manifested in in, in my experience in the church was um, was that those who kind of like were looking for something more and kind of holding on and trying to fight against that, like slip into like the world, into formality, into um, faithlessness. Um, We often kind of began to like chase different solutions out there. Like, Oh, the, the, the solution is to that is over here. Oh no, it's over here. Um, And what I mean by that is just, anything outward and i don't even mean bad things i mean things like in the church things with a plausible scriptural sense of like um something that could be right you know like maybe it's i'll give you some examples from my life like i had a time like even in by my early 20s i was kind of like there's got to be something more than this and then i remember i you know i listened to some people who said that that prayer is the thing that is missing and that if the church would pray 
then that's like why we have all this lukewarmness in the West. And they, you know, in Africa and Korea, they pray night and day and they pray hours every day. And if we did that, we'd experience revival and we would love the Lord and all these things would change. And those things can be very captivating because you're, you're like, you're feeling the lack of something real and you're, somebody says to you, oh, it's over here. And you think, okay, I'm going to go there. And without getting into too many details, I can just tell you that like I did a bunch of that of like, okay, the answer is 24-hour prayer. And I pursued that for a while and then kind of felt the, um, the, the same emptiness, the same like deadness and the same uh, lack inwardly from that. And then so I think, uh, I think the enemy is, is very near to pre- keep presenting to us. And if we let him, he'll, we can spend our whole lives going from like one thing to another. He's got lots of topics and lots of ideas he can present to us. And so like with me, it was like night and day prayer. And then it was, oh no, it's signs and wonders. And it's, it's, it's these people and they're like prophetic gifting over here and this super exciting church over there or it's, or it's missions. That's the problem that, you know, like the, the church has to get really zealous about like missions and going to the, or it's radical evangelism or something like that. And, or it's, you know, and, and I, I gave a lot of time and a lot of energy to like a bunch of those options. You know, I'm, I'm for a while I moved to inner city Atlanta and like tried to like minister to drug dealers and prostitutes and walked into the AIDS ward of like the inner city hospital and tried to pray for healing and like trying to do the most sort of like radical things that like that at least like like resonated with me like we've got to be like radical and do like apostolic new testament book of acts christianity and we're going to make it happen by just like going and making it happen you know and and for a time, that seemed really plausible. Like, yeah, maybe that really is what you know what, what's missing. And and I just found that I I kind of went from one thing like that. Each one took a couple years for it to sort of wear off. But um, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. Different different people are drawn to different versions of that. You know, I, I had friends who uh, maybe got into some of the same things, right? You know, I had friends who got really into this idea of home churches that like if it's, you know, the book of Acts, they did churches and houses. And so it's, that's the thing we're missing. And if we would all just like meet in homes or it's, or it's something else about community or maybe it's social, social justice, or maybe it's, but to me, I just look back on all that now and I just feel like it's like low here, low there, like look, look over there. And, um, but and I was thinking just the other day that I'm pretty sure like when Jason first was the the first few months of like pastoring what became Market Street Fellowship, that he was trying to get like uh, daily prayer meetings going, weren't you? Like yeah. a couple hours every single day. And like he was hoping to turn that into like maybe eventually like nonstop prayer meetings. And like so he was kind of even like on that foundation at the very beginning of taking over the the pastoring of, of that this church. Um but the Lord and his, see, the thing is, it's never anything out there. That's kind of one of the, the core things that's been kind of on my, my heart to share with you guys that I think, like, I'm still super confused about lots of things. And, and, but that is one thing that I don't feel confused about anymore is that I spent a lot of years kind of thinking that the the problem was out there, the solution was out there, you know, and um, 
one of the things I think the Lord has made really, really clear uh, to us, it took a lot of, a lot of dead ends and a lot of discouragement and a lot of confusion and a lot of breaking us down. But um, I think we've, we've seen and felt that um, we don't have to go somewhere. We don't have to like do something outward. The, the, that's not where the, that's not where the poison is. That's not where the problem is that the, that we carry, like we carry the problem with us when we go into community, when we go form a house church, that when I went in and tried to, you know, pray for somebody with AIDS in the inner city, like I, I wasn't finding the solution because in my, my, my own heart, my own will was carrying the problem with me into that situation, you know, and that's why it never, it never satisfied. It never actually like, um, it never delivered on its promise, you know, um, and it's sort of like what Jesus said, you know, to the, the Pharisees, you know, you travel like all over the, the globe to make a single convert. And when you do, you make him twice the son of hell as you did. And just, I, I just picture him kind of just aching over the fact that they, you know, you could in, in the name of so-called ministry could go and try to convert someone to Judaism or convert someone to Christianity when at the same time, inwardly they were in need of salvation and inwardly they were um, not at all what they should be and they kind of brought that disease with them and then they just spread it to the people they were they were trying to convert and trying to help and man that that hits really close to home because I did a lot of stuff in the name of ministry that I look back on now and think um man what was I thinking you know I I was I would have been so much better to like shut my mouth and quiet myself and let the Lord deal with my heart. And then maybe, um, maybe as he, as I, if I, I, the maybe being, if I let him cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, um, then I could become a vessel that's actually like useful for him that he is, able to able um to use to actually really help and really bless someone in some real way you know but anyway uh we we kind of i don't know i think we a lot of us came from that i can think of some i know some of your histories fairly well and you know some of us come from missionary families and some of us were doing you know we're chasing the the big shot christians in the in the big churches of America and stuff like that, you know, but I think we can all kind of testify and say that like, it, we didn't find what we were looking for there, you know? Um, and so that's something that we just want to, I think we want to be really honest about and really, and not, um, I think one of, one of the things about us is we're, we're trying to be a people um, I'm sure very imperf- imperfectly, but trying to be a people who are kind of like pressing past just the like the name of Christianity or just the ideas or the notions or the forms, and we're we're trying to say like, oh Lord, help us to the help us to the living substance, the the real substantial thing itself, and um, and 
that I feel like is, is valuable and worth recommending that, that, that pursuit and that, that focus. I, I, I can't say that at least for myself, I, I can't say I'm very, very far along with very much clarity about what to say about many things, but I think that like a, a heart, um, a heart that is really desperate for, um, and the the real substance of Christianity and it is is refusing to kind of like sit down in all of the like I don't know what what kind of words to put to it, but all of the different all all of the different like ideas and forms and names that kind of have mushroomed and built up and flourished around Christianity. There's so many places to kind of just like, there's so many different flavors of Christianity and so many different types of churches and styles of worship music and this and that. And, and, um, but, but, but where, where are the people that, um, are, with a real desperation of heart seeking to kind of push past all of the ideas and all of the words and, and really, really know and experience God and really feel and experience an inward change and a cleansing of their own hearts and aren't, aren't content to kind of just say like, well, um, I'm sure that when we die and go to heaven, then we'll, that things will be good then, you know? Um, but, are believing and desiring to, to feel and know what God wants to do in the human heart here and what can be done, in fact, what must be done while we're still in these bodies. Um, but uh, I'm afraid that I'm going too long instead of too short. But um, But I'll just say that Kind of the the first big thing that um, sort of rocked us a little bit was um, there was this period I don't know when the years was twelve or fifteen years ago when like the Lord really opened our eyes to something. The first thing I described all these low here and low there as all these ideas, night and day prayer, radical, all these things out there, um, and the the Lord kind of like began to teach us something that I think was like the very beginning of something real and something substantial. And this was kind of this, this idea that, that Christ himself was and is the life of, of the believer and the life of Christianity, that like Jesus himself formed and living um, in the heart and in man was, was the thing we were missing. It wasn't some particular ministry. It wasn't some particular expression of New Testament Christianity. It was like, Christ himself, and we used a, a lot, a bunch of you were around in those days, but we used this language a lot about, back then about like Christ being our life. And we talked a lot about the, we, I, I think we saw with some clarity the, the distinction between like Christ himself and like Adam and the flesh and what like what man can do. I talked a little bit this morning about like what we can do in our own willing and running. And then there's something altogether different, which is Jesus Christ himself, the life of Christianity, the life of believers. And we also, I think, saw with some some clarity the fact that the cross was like a super big deal and that um, the cross was 
in some ways you can think of it as this kind of like this thing that cuts between Adam and the flesh and and Christ himself, the, the power and the substance and the life of Christianity. And and um and there there was a there was a kernel of like reality and truth in that sort of like dealing of the Lord that we went through that I that I don't think we've ever um we've ever like given up on or ever um, turned our back on like that. There was something like real and true in that. And I, I kind of mark that as kind of like the beginning of like, like finding the scent of like, um, I don't know, the scent of, what do you find the scent of? Um, the, trail. The, the, the thing you're hunting, the trail. Um, because I, I think there's, there's some real, there's real truth and reality to that, that like Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And in, in Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And we, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And he says, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And it is not I, but Christ who lives in me. And we, we kind of like saw that and rejoiced in that and, um, and proclaimed that, especially Jason and some others for like a bunch of years, kind of like really, um, really proclaimed that. Um, but I, I also think that that view as like precious and as, and as wonderful and true as it was, um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a complete view. And it was also mixed with some things that were um, somewhat incorrect too. And there was there were some aspects in in which we kind of understood that reality and kind of mixed it with some other stuff that that was not um, was not right and was not um, it was definitely was not complete. And I think there's some aspects of it where we we mixed stuff in that was more than just incomplete, but that was, was wrong and unhelpful. Um, and, um, but we did, we did spend a bunch of years kind of really like proclaiming that and really like, and and I think that was an advancement. I think that was like an improvement, you know, and instead of saying like, oh, it's about prayer, it's about this, it's that it's about Jesus himself, the life and the cross as like this incredible separation and division. Um, and I won't go deep into I think kind of what we were missing or not seeing, but in, in a word, I would say that um, there there was we kind of married it with this idea of salvation that salvation was um, that salvation was a, a a perfect and complete work. We talked a lot about it being perfect and complete in Christ, which I think is absolutely true in one sense. But we also kind of thought that the fact that his work, that, you know, when he hung on the cross and said, it is finished, and he made this once and for all perfect sacrifice and has, he himself is this um, perfect, unchangeable life and atonement and sacrifice pleasing to the Father and his blood is that that which purchased our redemption and nothing can ever be like added to it or taken away from it. Like that, that is totally true. But what we think, what I think we did incorrectly is we just assumed that because he perfected um, the work of salvation with respect to himself and what he needed to do on our behalf, that our salvation was immediately perfected 
and eternally guaranteed and instantaneously accomplished. And um, there's all these sorts of different ways. We may not have like always stated it that explicitly, but that that's a feeling and a... um, and a idea that I think many of us drug in from like all of our like Christian backgrounds and just kind of assumed that like that went along with it too. Do you know what I mean by that? And so we sort of, whether we outwardly, I don't think we did a ton of like specifically saying that, but like it sure, um, it sure seems like that was a, a huge blind spot. And we, we kind of dragged in this idea that, um, this idea of kind of like this momentary like decision or a once, you know, like, oh, I was, you know, I went up at a prayer line at a Christian camp in 1972 and that's like the moment I was saved and we've always kind of told each other and, and preached this idea that, that, uh, that our salvation was kind of like instantaneously and invisibly perfected at that moment and like... It, some of us believed, you know, irreversible, and there's lots of ways to say that. But, um, but we, in those in those kind of middle years, I think that we we missed um, we missed understanding how salvation works, um, how salvation is received, how salvation is neglected, how salvation um, is is given to us as a as a pos- as a perfect possibility, a, a perfect work which becomes a, a possibility in us if we yield to it the right way. And I'll maybe say a couple more things about that in a moment. Um, but it, kind of what we ended up sort of doing is just saying Christ is our life, and He just needs to. We just need to see it, and we just need to open our eyes to it. We spent a lot of years kind of saying like. The thing we're missing is just like a revelation of the fact that Christ is our life. And I don't know if that kind of makes sense to you or you guys remember that period, but I remember thinking a long time, kind of saying, even like in my own teaching, I'd say like, Christ is our life and he's all, Adam is nothing, the flesh is nothing. And and then sort of there'd be this kind of question in my own heart and people even like ask me this, like, so what do, what do I do now? Or what what do I do with the fact that I'm like still like addicted to sin and still struggling. And I I kind of, at that time, I kind of had nothing to say, like no answer except for, I guess you just like wait for him to open your eyes and see that he is your life and he is your salvation. And that, that's like kind of like what, what, and that was at least my sort of imperfect understanding and kind of, there was, there's a number of years where I just sort of, floated around with sort of this idea of like, I know Christ is my life and I know that the flesh can't do anything. And I know that the cross kind of divides between these worlds, but I don't, I'm not sure what, um, I'm not sure why I still kind of feel totally um, overcome by my own sins and not overcoming them, you know, things like that. Does that make sense? Um, And so, that's where I think the 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 sort of like third I don't know if there's not if I'm even numbering at this point but kind of like the third phase that that began a number of years ago eight or nine years ago ten years ago I forget exactly when where our acquaintance and our our finding the early friends the Quakers like brought like a really helpful and necessary like correction uh, to us as a people and uh, as a as a little body um, and. 
um, the the early friends were really wonderfully helpful, I know, to me personally, to many of us. And um, when I just sort of like step back and take like the, the long view of kind of how we got to where we are, I really see that, like the, I really believe that the Lord kind of in his love and mercy kind of like sent them, sent this sort of like epistle from 300 years ago to us to to clarify and correct. Because I think our hearts were, were at least some of us, not, not mine all the time, but often sincere and humbly wanting to to move forward with the Lord. And, and so the, the finding the Quakers and, and being corrected by them was a, a really huge deal for us. And if I can try to boil down in, in a few sentences kind of um, what, they, what they taught us and they corrected us was, like I mentioned before, we had always kind of like assumed, at least I had assumed that like, and always been taught that salvation was, had been sort of instantly established and perfected and completed in us. Um, but this, the, the, the Quakers and Pennington, George Fox, some of those people, like kind of pointed out to us that, um, that salvation is, is a seed sown in the heart with the power and the ability and the possibility of saving us. Um, and they pointed us to the, um, you know, I, I, told, I tried to kind of explain that idea of like, okay, if it's all Christ and it's nothing of me, then I guess we just sit around and wait for like a revelation of that or do we wait for somehow that to magically open our eyes and then we'll have this kind of like spontaneous, like passive change that the Lord just works in our hearts. But that never seemed to be working for me and I don't think it ever will work that way because that's not, the way the Lord um, set this thing up. But, but they kind of beautifully and helpfully pointed us to the fact that, um, that the, while Jesus' life and death and sacrifice are absolutely perfect and finished, it is, the reality of salvation is sown like a little seed into our hearts. And, and if I can sort of make this analogy a little bit, it's like, it's it, it's like our our lack of salvation our problem is that like we're like a field or we're like a patch of dirt that has a giant tree growing in it and it's the wrong tree like we have like flesh and self has like grown up and the the first birth has like established itself as this giant monstrous thing in our lives and that is the that is the problem and that is our that is our condemnation, that is our damnation, that is our eternal separation from God if that's not taken care of, you know? And salvation is the possibility of that tree being pulled out and uprooted and something entirely different being planted and grown and raised up to take its place in us, right? And so, and salvation works like, works like the casting of a seed into a, a piece of, of dirt, or you could say, like, if you imagine, like, a um, you've imagined an acorn, you know, which is this little tiny thing which has the possibility of of saving us, or sorry, has the possibility of I'm mixing my metaphors of becoming a massive tree. And you could say, rightly so, that like an acorn is a perfect oak tree, like it's absolutely 
is complete and has everything in it to be a, a mighty oak tree, but it's, it's like sown into the field of our heart. Um, and I think what a lot of people do is they are this patch of dirt with this monstrous tree of self and they say, oh, an acorn of like the Lord's life was like sown into me and it's right there. And therefore, that is salvation. I am saved. When really, salvation is the, the springing up of that seed and that life and it conquering and overcoming and removing that which stands in its place, which should never have been there and which needs to be taken down. And so without, like, without the seed sown, we were lost and it was impossible and useless for us to ever do anything. Like we could do nothing for ourselves unto salvation. And I don't want to say one bit that we're saying that salvation like depends or that we save ourselves. But salvation, Jesus purchased this and he purchased this gift of his spirit and his life and his grace and sowed it into our hearts like a, like a seed that has the possibility of rising up and dominating and becoming the biggest thing in the whole garden of our hearts. But so many of us kind of said like, oh, I received the seed back in 1979 or I felt this touch from the Lord, I got the seed. And we didn't realize that, like James says, we have to meekly receive the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. It's not just the fact that it was implanted doesn't guarantee or make it the salvation of our souls. It is, it is absolutely possible for it, and it's bigger and stronger than the thing that we grew in its place. But if we do not meekly and humbly receive it with good soil through the death of self, and uh, I say a lot about that, but if, if it doesn't become perfect in us, if it doesn't have its growth and its life and its dominion and its victory over self in us, then we are not saved. And the, the, it's, a, it's nothing new, it's nothing else, but what G, everything Jesus said in all his parables, you know, so like when I say the Quakers came by and corrected us, it's not like they had some new and hidden doctrine. And that's, that's why also we've never like tried to claim ourselves as tried to like take the name of Quakers. And we don't care to because, um, because all that they pointed us to was kind of the, this thing that was buried under all of man's ideas and man's theologies and man's wishes and hopes but was always staring in our faces from the very beginning that that um, that salvation is this um, this word implanted, this seed implanted, this gift of grace working in the heart, which has a possibility if yielded to, if received the right way. Um, and they pointed us to that. They taught us, they taught, and I'm thinking maybe more for myself than maybe some of you guys were more clear about this than me, but I know for me, they were so unbelievably helpful because I was, I was sort of sitting around waiting for the revelation of Christ. And honestly, if, if I'm really honest, I wasn't so much waiting as I was kind of getting more and more familiar with the world and loving the world and kind of drifting into the world more and more and drifting into my own version of kind of deadness and hypocrisy while I kind of thought that like, well, maybe this is all there is. Maybe one day the Lord will um, 
scales will fall off my eyes and I'll just like float two feet above the ground and overcome everything, you know, but the, the Quakers pointed me to this real like work that had to begin in my heart. And they, they taught me these very simple things that the, the feeling in our heart of being like troubled for our worldliness or being, um, feeling condemnation or shame for our sin or feeling guilt or condemnation or, or, or a burden of sin and worldliness, that that was, that was the story, that was the little acorn trying to poke itself through the dirt and begin to grow, that that was actually the, the feeling of the grace of God which comes to save, which is able to save me but actually needs to save me. And they... they they kind of taught us to like stoop down to believe in that very low, despised appearing of Christ. Everybody in the Christianity is kind of like soaring up in these ideas of of seeming to magnify Jesus and the finished work and and victory over sin. But but who who has really kind of come down to believe in the the little small feelings of conviction and the little small uh, ways that the the grace and seed of life begins to stir in our hearts and trouble us. And they, they kind of, I remember as clear as day, just kind of like reading some of, especially like Pennington stuff in the beginning and having him point out that like Paul said that the grace of God, this is Titus uh, 2.11 says the grace of God has appeared to all men bringing salvation teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly and righteously in the present age. And he kind of explained and said, if you've ever felt something convicting you of worldliness and worldly desires and teaching you what to deny, that's the grace of God. And that's the thing that needs to be, we need to come down to and become obedient to it. Um, and, it sounds so simple and it's kind of embarrassing that we've floundered around, I think maybe for so long, but that, um, that sort of simple reality that there is like, there is a stirring and a moving of the grace of God or the seed of God in the heart that can be felt by every human being. And that's what it means to, to actually be saved, to work out our salvation, to receive with meekness the word implanted is not just to like say we have it and like tell people when we got it and like once every, you know, Sunday for 50 years go and like sing songs about it. That's a great deception that instead there has to be um, a real coming down to believe in that light and to, to, to love the light that shows us that we are darkness and that we are wicked and that our deeds are evil. To love, you know, Jesus said, people hate the light. Why do they hate the light? Because their deeds are evil. And that, that's the light that shines in our hearts. And that was the way that I know I was missing was, you know, the thing I was, while I was waiting for revelation, the Lord was calling me to kind of like stoop down and become obedient to these these little motions and movements and feelings of his grace in my heart. And that that just kind of, for me, and I think for all of us in different measures at different times, that that was what was so like helpful and clarifying about 
um, the, the correction that the, the Quakers brought to us and why we esteem them so highly and love their works and kind of want to recommend, without trying to recommend that anybody call themselves Quakers because they, would, they wouldn't have wanted that, but kind of wish everybody would like read and, and, and feel and, and learn from this incredibly helpful testimony that they, um, they proclaimed. And um, I guess that, that's most of what I wanted to say. I, I, I think if, if I could just sort of summarize, I think where I think we are now, what, what I think is good and valuable about where we are now um, I think that through this this journey, we've kind of we've come to realize, like I was saying earlier, that the problem was always in us, and we always carried it with us wherever we went, looking for something. Um, and but the, the the wonderful thing is that, like, right where the problem was, God sowed the solution. God sowed the salvation and the re- the redemption, and and. Um, and it, it's, it seemed clear to me, and I think it's felt clear to us that that's the battlefield, like the, the, the real place of like labor and, and fight and, uh, is, is inward. It's with the will. It's with self will and self life is the thing that ruined paradise and, and, and caused us to fall out of paradise into the earth is like self will, you know? It wasn't some outward thing. It was, it was, breaking off from God by choosing self. And so the real the, the real kind of like nugget or uh, kernel of like what we're, I think, realizing is that we were always the problem and that like self and self-will um, has to be slain and has to be crucified, that there's like a real dying to self. You know, you, Jesus said all these things constantly, you know, they've been hiding in plain sight all this time. But I, I don't know about you guys, but I had theologies about this. I, we had systems and doctrines about how the hard things Jesus said, we just sort of swept under the rugs and kind of just assumed that everything was good and we were all going to heaven because we believed, you, you know. But Jesus couldn't have been clearer about the fact that they're like, there absolutely has to be a dying to self, that the that self must be slain, that we must become not just people who've heard his words, but actually begin to do the will of his heavenly father. And how many incredibly hard things did he say? Like not so many people are gonna say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'm gonna say, I have no idea who you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Only those who did the will of my heavenly father. And so the, the, it's very easy. That, that's, I think the, I think I'll maybe end with this, but that's the thing that has struck me over the last couple of years. And I was reflecting on it today a little bit that like in every form of false Christianity and every, or, or nominal Christianity or worldliness or outright wickedness, or you can lump them all together in this one way that they all have in common, which is inwardly self-will remains unslain. And, and that can dress itself up with every form of religiosity you could find in the earth. I mean, think about what the scribes and the Pharisees did. They had 
they had gone to such heights and depths of supposedly honoring the Torah and the law and Moses and the way they dressed and the way they tithed and everything they did had been brought into what they thought was this incredible, strict, perfect uniformity and obedience to the Lord. And yet, what was the problem? Why was Jesus so hard on them? That's because they had built this huge edifice and self was alive in them. And they loved the praise of men and they loved to be called rabbi and they loved to be seen. And all these manifest, the, the, the true thing that was living in them was the only thing that God ever cared to destroy. And every dispensation he ever gave them and every form of their Jewish religion and every type and shadow he ever gave them was to point them to the fact that that inward thing needed to be torn down and ruined. And yet they took all those inward things and built a castle and lived inside it with self unslain. And that is what I feel like when I think about What's wrong with this this version of Christianity? What's wrong with this? And I don't have a desire to point my finger at anybody, but when I look around, it's just this. It's, none of it means anything if self remains alive in the middle of it. And self is an incredibly resilient plant. It can adapt to the, the strictest scribe and Pharisee, and it can, it, 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 it's very happy in that world and can live untouched. Self can live in the most profane and wicked worldly person. It's very happy there. Self can live in the middle of somebody who goes to MSF every week too. It, it's not, there is no place or thing we can do that's a solution to that. The only thing we can do is realize that in the midst of everything, that was always the problem. And the cross and the light of God was given to us to overcome that inwardly. And, and the only thing that we can and must do is determine that that's the warfare every single day. And that whatever that warfare leads us into, whether it's being silent meetings or talkative meetings or X, Y, or Z, we can never move out from and say, oh, well, the Lord led us into this. And then we just we build our own castle and then self takes a breath and comes alive again. Like the, the, the one thing that I think that seems so clear that we're, I hope we're trying to do is we're trying to say to each other and believe with all our hearts that self-will has to be slain inwardly. And that, has, that, is, a lifelong, um, that is a lifelong pursuit and that is a daily pursuit and that is a pursuit that touches everything. And that is a pursuit that, that's kind of, I think, I I think that's what I hope as I kind of reflect upon our group. Like I hope we've felt that, that, that that's the problem and that the light and the grace and the power of Christ coming against that and us dying down into that power and us uniting with that power and loving that light and loving the truth and and becoming obedient to the smallest little like tremblings and movements and motions of that that grace of God in our heart because we can't fight self ourselves you know self can't fight satan can't cast out satan but thanks be to god like he has overcome all of that in his life and and death and resurrection and then he's sown that overcoming life as a possibility of of it in each one of us. And, and the, the thing that I think 
I hope what makes us different is not that we have these weird, awkward, silent meetings all the time. I hope what makes us different, and I hope the reason, and I think the reason why we're doing the awkward, silent meetings is because we realize that self is always going to try to pop up and, and, and we've got to completely and entirely give our hearts to um, the light and the spirit and the grace and the implanted word of God inwardly working and inwardly teaching us to, to die daily to all of that, to, to piece by piece bring down that monstrous other tree to like until it weakens and starves and dies and burns and falls over, you know, and to give our, give our hearts to that and realize that that, um, that inward work and that inward reality is the one thing that, um, has got to happen. And that although I, and I, all the other things that I, we used to be chasing will, will come in the Lord's time out from that work. You know, I don't think we need to chase a radical evangelism or home churches or community or signs and wonders or anything like that. I think we need to have a bunch of people picking up the cross inwardly and daily with all their hearts and letting the Lord slay and crucify self in them. And then I have a, I have a lot of hope and a lot of faith that the right stuff will come out of that. And it, I'm also pretty confident it won't be what we imagined it would be, but it'll be good and clean and right and better. Yeah, maybe I'll just add too that like this, the like that making the inward battle of dying to self kind of like the only thing we focus on or the the thing that is like the number one thing to never lose sight of is is by no means. Um, by no means like stating that like other people aren't important and that we shouldn't like, obviously like, like, I don't mean that at all. Like the Lord said that obviously like the number one commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And there's many, many scriptures we could quote about like our, our duty and responsibility and love to one another. And so you could, it'd be easy to kind of maybe mishear a little bit of what I was saying is like, if we just only do this one thing as kind of saying that like the only thing that matters is like right here inside of me but the truth is like i feel like that's the that's the only way to like open the door to actually love anybody and i want to love my neighbors as myself and i want to reach people and i want to do everything that i'm supposed to do and i just i i really think the, the right way to understand it is that like if self remains unslain, then we can go and we can like tell ourselves we're doing all those things and we can be like telling people about the Lord and trying to like do ministries and, and, but I think it's just like flesh touching flesh and flesh, like meeting flesh. And like, I don't know that anybody's actually really helped. And so, cause I, I hear this sometimes when people kind of push back to me a little bit, like, aren't, don't you guys realize you're supposed to like, also go out there and like you know love people and 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 i think we've just been we believe that with all our hearts we really do but i think what we believe is that the the only way to like actually help someone is to let the lord cleanse us you know or else it's you know it's just like flesh 
touching flesh, you know what I mean? And so I, I really hope and pray and believe that the way to be like useful to other people, the way to love people, the way to lead people to the Lord, the way to that, like it has to be, it has to begin and, and constantly go on with letting the Lord deal with my heart, you know, or else I'll just be in a shadow of all those things. And I, and I want to say really clear that like, I, I believe in all those things. I just, um, yeah, I think that like, self must be brought down and the vessel must be cleansed and then the love of god pours into that vessel and then and the, and then real love can touch people and help people and reach people and um i think that's really important because i know at least for me i spent a lot of years where it was like we got to go like do all these things is almost like a checklist we had of like this is the kind of our christianity was like well now we believe in jesus we need to make sure we're doing this this and that and the other and i think that i I fell very much into that camp of like going halfway across the world to make someone twice the son of hell that I was, you know. So I believe in that stuff. I think we all do with with all our hearts.